Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Thursday. It's December 8th, 2022. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. <clears throat> you would think I would clear my throat before the show started. Okay, sorry about that. Welcome to today's show on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. All right, we're going to be talking. I hope we've got two superintendents here. Only one is called in right now. It's an AASA show. Thank you, Jimmy Minicello. <coughs> Jeez. For um, setting this up, I've got Mary Templeton here, who's the superintendent of Washougal School District down in Washougal, Washington, okay, across the country. And yes, we have two superintendents here. Corey Tafoy is here from Harvard, Illinois. And both of these districts uh, have been, uh, by the way, Harvard separated the community unit school district 50. You never know how Illinois school districts work. I want to make sure we get that right, Okay. Both of these districts have been selected by AASA as what they call lighthouse districts. They're exemplary. Okay, we're going to find out what they're doing and why, why they were selected. And more importantly, okay, looking at the future of education, things have changed. Okay, and the old gray mare just ain't what it used to be. Okay, things are changing out there, and they want to find out how these two wonderful superintendents are managing their districts into the future and seeing what specifically they're going to do. We're going to archive the show like we always do over at ace-ed.org. That's A-C-E-D.org. That's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And over there, we have a lot of work on SEL. We have a lot of work on teacher retention, which is a big, big thing. We're very, very concerned about that. As you know, 50% of teachers, people like you, who are listening, are thinking of leaving the profession. We don't want that to happen. You're too good, and it hurts the kids. All right, so we're doing everything we can to make sure that all school districts understand your incredible professionalism and give you all the training, expertise, et cetera, you need. So check out what we're doing at teacherretention.com. And, of course, this podcast will be archived over there as well. Please click on the cover of our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. We're the only ones that – Focus on equity and access pre-K-12. We publish every other month. The new issue is up there. Just click on the cover. It's a darn good magazine, and we hope you enjoy it like so many other people do if you haven't looked at it yet. So without further ado, let me bring on my two guests. Good morning, Mary and Larry Jacobs. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled you're here, and I want to give you yeah. all the credit in the world because it's 6.04 out there. Yes, it is. Thank you. I was going to mention that. Yes, it's darn early. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you sound bright and cheery and wonderful. I am. I've had, in the morning. Yeah, I've had two sips of coffee. I'm all the way Look across out. the country from you. Yes. So okay. thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor, for being here. Mary Templeton, everybody, of Washougal Schools. We'll, we'll define Washougal in just a few minutes. Corey, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Corey. How you doing? I'm Larry. Nice Hi. to meet you, Corey. Good Larry. Right? Sorry, I'm a little and bit I, late. I, I got trapped at the Chamber of Commerce meeting. A lot of, you know, it's better than being stopped by a traffic no. cop, so that's good. That's yeah, good. That's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the bright side. Okay? It's right. okay. And I appreciate you being here. I know you're both busy. And it's 8 in the morning there, so I'm not going to give you the same incredible right. no, kudos I, that I gave <laughs> to uh, Mary. Mary's yeah. the award winner here, too. Hi, Mary. Hi. Good morning, Corey. Okay, I gotta tell I gotta tell you, Corey, a funny story. I used to live in McHenry many years ago. I lived oh, in my goodness, in Chicago area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, back in I lived in McHenry when McHenry was still small. Okay, it's wow. much much bigger yeah. now. And by it the way, grown. Mary, 
McHenry, McHenry, Illinois is named like Fort McHenry. It's the same McHenry, the first. I had no idea. There you go, right near Corey. But the funny story, Corey's in Harvard, Illinois. Okay. I had a buddy of mine who used to be an engineer on the old Northwest Railroad. Okay, Corey? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and everybody asked him where he went to college, and he always looked at them straight and said, "I I went to Harvard via Northwestern." <laughs> oh, very he good. drove that train. That, you can definitely he drove that. that train to Harvard. There you go. Okay, we are the last stop on the Northwest Line. Uh, I know that. And Harvard. I finally I made that. it to Harvard. And it could go further to Washougal. Okay, let's find out about right. Washougal. Then we're never going to talk about Harvard. This, <laughs> this is amazing. Mary, if I read right, you're, yeah. you're like on the southern border of Washington, right? You're right in your Yes, you're we are to right. Portland than Seattle. Yeah, yeah, actually, we're like about 12 miles uh, from Portland. In fact, I can get to the Portland airport and Ikea in about uh, 14 minutes. I've timed it. So, yeah, that's that's the landmark. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Okay, talk about it. Let's hear about Washougal. What's Washougal like? Give us yeah, a definition. Washougal, yeah, we're about – Then we're going to ask Corey yeah, the same thing about good sure. old Harvard. Yeah, yeah, so we are right on uh, the National Scenic Area, so we're right at the beginning of that. Uh, so that is an int- – it's beautiful here, so that's the first thing. We're about 3,000 students uh, from our our, our – uh, demographics. Uh, we have about 40 of our students are, are qualifying for uh, reduced uh, meals. Uh, we've got about 20% of our students uh, uh, identify as students of color. Uh, we've got about uh, 18% of our students um, are being served with an ind- individual education plan. Uh, uh-huh. So that kind of gives you uh, kind of a, in a nutshell, kind of who we are. Right, and is it a, like K twelve, appropriate K twelve? Yeah, we're district? yeah. Thank you. Yes, we are a K twelve district, and what's interesting being involved in AASA is I get to talk to folks who are running districts that are not K twelve because that's what I know in my experience. I'm like, oh, what would that be like to run exactly. a high school district, right? In which I we we went to one. And I was like, that's fascinating. No, but we're K twelve. Yeah, so you, must, yep. you must know people from Illinois, which is where it all happens. I do, I do talk actually. To Corey yeah. about uh-huh. this in a second. Yeah. Okay, it makes me crazy. I, like I said, I used to live there. It makes me nuts. <laughs> By the way, can can you see can you see Mount Hood from Washington? Oh my gosh, it is the most beautiful view ever. Uh, so that's why we are quite the draw because we've got the river and the mountain view. It's just. On any day, you know, when you've got the snow like right now and in the, the summertime, you've just got the beautiful sunshine and the, yeah. the mountain. It's beautiful. The only way I can top that is I live in Maine, uh, but I live close to the New Hampshire border, okay, in southwestern Maine. And if I go to the literally to the top of the hill I live on, I get a clear view 70 miles away about Washington. That's as good as we can get out here in the Wow, East that's very yeah. cool. Oh, that's close. That's yes. Well, I'll go up to the top of the mountain. You go up to the top of the mountain um, <laughs> on, on the same time, and I'll look and see if I can we'll see. Wave. How about that? We'll wave. We'll, we'll yeah, wave. we'll wave. Hi, we'll wave. How you doing? Three thousand miles away. Mary just summed it up. Okay, Illinois school districts. I love Illinois, but it drives me crazy because half of them are K one, K eight, K five, K twelve, K K fifty seven. Okay. Uh, tell us about Harvard Community Unit School District. Uh, which yeah. one is 50, which is labeled number 50, by the way. Yeah, well, in course. Illinois, if you are a unit district, that means you are at least K to 12. We are pre-K to 12. Oh, right. So there you we go. Are, we are that. surrounded by districts that are – we have some high school districts. And, yeah, it's just – I used to work in a district that was just four high schools in Crystal Lake. So that is oh, uniquely okay. Illinois. I wow. came from – 
Wyoming originally, so that was all new to me when I got uh, out here to Illinois. So yep. uh, fascinating, but Harvard is a really special place because I, um, Larry, you'd know this. This is I say this is where the suburbs finally die, uh, Chicago, because we are very much kind of an, an agricultural um, place, but we're at, at the end of the train line, so we have a lot of yeah, suburban commuters, and so it's really a, just a really wonderful blend. We're a, a district of about 2,700 students now, and, um, and it's a kind of a lead into you know our lighthouse discussion. But one of the things that's yeah. really special about our community is that we have this really wonderful, uh, rich, diverse community, and that's most especially yeah. evident in the language spoken. And that's kind of what our lighthouse program designation is about: is our dual language program, because about 65% um, of our families identify as Hispanic, uh, and then about nice. of those. Probably about 45%. That's the first language at home. Um, although many of our families are now second generation, and so a lot of these students are growing up, and we as the schools are the ones uh, that are teaching them their Spanish because their families have assimilated, you know, wow. English is predominant. So there's a lot of families that are, you know, that we are the mechanism, just like it was for me when I grew up. I had uh, Mexican grandparents, but I didn't learn any Spanish really other than, you know, watching my grandpa, you know, watch boxing and swear. Uh, that's the only way I learned any Spanish until I got to school. And a lot of our kids here in Harvard are the same way. But it's a wonderful, vibrant community. And we really are uh, kind of re-identifying what is possible in a community like ours, because we've been plagued by low expectations for a long time. But now that things are kind of popping, people are saying, whoa, look at, you know, look at what we can do if we set our expectations a little bit higher. And how long have you been there, Corey? This is my sixth year now. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's what uh, Mary and I f uh, are told is beyond the national average. So we're feeling yeah, good. Yes, Mary, we... <laughs> yeah. Mary, how long have you been in Washougal? Uh, this is my fifth year here. Yeah. That's a, congrats so right, to both right of you. That Thank God for yeah. that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Sustained leadership is so important. Okay. And, it, and it, it, it was used to be the superintendent last three years, you're lucky and boom, they're gone. So five and six, and I get the feeling you'll probably be continuing. I think that's just great. Okay. I, I really do. And I got to ask Corey, any relation to Michelle Tafoya, the famous sportscaster? Well, my uh, my grandma had actually tracked that back for me that we are distantly related. I've never met her, but um, it's kind of like going to the family reunion and your mom and dad introduce you to people that you don't know <laughs> yeah. how you're related. She was using a lot of names of people that I didn't have any clue who they were. But uh, my grandma believes we are distantly related, but I've never. Tell grandma, never... tell Luquela she's right. She probably are related. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure she was right, but. I couldn't piece all the connections together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And what you said about Harvard, I, I, we left there a long time ago now, okay, mm -hmm. when we were in McHenry. And your description of the district, uh, how diverse it has become, is, is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, it's a nice thing. And I, I hope everybody's really, learning from each other. You know, it's just... It's, it is. It's really a wonderful, and that's really been embraced by the community largely. And then, uh, actually, what we're going to talk about with this award, I mean, just kind of a yeah. a final like check mark saying, okay, this is a place where this is valued, and we appreciate the benefit because it wasn't easy to start this because there was, you know, certainly resistance in the onset before I was even here. Well, good, good for change. I got to tell you, let's go over to Mary because 
I know she's taking coffee intravenously this morning to get through this. I am. This. I am. I've had Dr. five yeah. sips now. Look out. <laughs> and I'm concerned. I've got, I want to make sure the bag of coffee has enough to get you through this. At the, what is it now? Six twelve. Okay. Yeah, like a strong cup. There. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Congratulations on being named a lighthouse district. And what Thank that you. means, basically, you're welcome. And what that means, okay, is that you now are a beacon of light. Okay. You're going to guide other people in. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Congratulations. Well, I, I feel the some... pressure. Well, yes, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Now there's the responsibility. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now there's the responsibility of doing yeah. it. What what was it in your district that AASA yeah. picked out that they decided to yeah. name Washugal a lighthouse district? And Corey, that question's coming your way too, my friend. Yeah. Let's do Mary first. So they they selected us uh, based on social, emotional, and cognitive growth using multiple measures of that growth. And the the part that that really catches my attention is the multiple measures. Uh, We have, like on almost every area, like doggedly pursuing how do we see each child? How do we know each child's family? How do we create a sense of belonging and purpose for every child? That's just been the the mantra, uh, and that's how we think we're going to rise that, so that every kid has a ticket to their future. So that's kind of what they identified. So we've got quite a few um, exciting programs, but it's not one thing. And I think that really is, and when I say I feel the pressure, is that how do you keep balancing those things that you're doing and constantly yeah. evaluating, constantly evaluating, is this one? using metrics is this one getting us there and if it isn't then how do we uh, move to um, our energy to the ones that are working so anyway so that's a little bit and I can get into some of the the details um, around well, you that can, actually go ahead yeah. I wanted to get into okay, the great. weeds a little bit with you and let sure. me just ask well, you a question you know yeah. how are you assessing it and the other question is you know SEL has been a term around for a long long time now okay and yeah. it's kind of been over there we, everybody knew it was kind of necessary but it was an extra thing you got other stuff to do okay we've all been trying and we believe in it quite strongly we even have a website called seltoday.org and we publish a little magazine about that which you're welcome guys to subscribe mm-hmm. to if you want to it's free okay and you know we think it's important but became even more important with the pandemic and now we're thank god post pandemic mary how how long have you been working with the ESL specifically in the in the in the Washougal schools? How has it changed over the over the last couple of years? And then also, how yeah. are you assessing it? Which which is yeah. to me is so key. And the th- fourth thing, which I just the whole thing here, is how are you? Yeah. How are you? How did you train your teachers to teach right. it? Because this has been my complaint. I'm just going to say this: the, the, every superintendent to, in the world wants to teach have SEL in their community. Okay, it's it's part and parcel of what we expect in a school district. It's not a single education school in the country that, that I know of that's teaching it. Nobody's teaching mm-hmm. a teacher how to teach SEL, and yet it falls on the superintendents, Mademoiselle Lighthouse. You are now a beacon of light. Okay, mm-hmm. it falls on the superintendents to bring it in and somehow train their teachers. Okay, yeah. Mary, you're on. Okay, so here's now, what I have way, to say about that. By the way, if you all that, I'll give you a doctorate from the University <laughs> okay. of Larry. That's I, a lot of questions. Perfect. Yeah. I would love yeah. to be a graduate of University of Larry. So here we go. <laughs> fabulous I'm going to give my best Big shot. Big football team. That, huge, huge football yeah, team. Yeah, I, I want a yeah. scholarship. That's what I want. Okay, <laughs> so here's the, the first thing I want to say is that um, you, one of your opening statements was about how we have a teacher shortage and we've got to maintain oh, yeah. and keep our, our bright teachers. One of the ways that we do that is uh, we provide a context for them to feel confident 
uh, and successful because nobody wants to be on a team that's not successful. We, want, we all want to be on a winning team. So as we are moving through in, in Washougal, we're talking about very specific, uh, discrete components of this SEL package, and we are training our staff on each of them. We're also raising the expectations. Here's an example. At our elementary schools, morning meetings are happening in every classroom every day. And you would say, well, how, do you, how did you do that? We spent, during the pandemic, when there was a lot of chaos going on, we oh, really yeah. focused in on uh, – the work of equity, and all at the end of the day, that's what a lot of this work is. How do you see each child? How do you create an environment and a context where every kid has voice and every kid has a strong sense of belonging? So that's what those morning meetings are doing, and we went through a lot of protocols, almost two years of working uh, with our with that component and our our labor unit um, in the state of Washington, so Washington Education Association, they were our partners in that. So there's Good. a bit of a, of a, of a risk to, to begin with because you typically are talking to your labor partners when you're negotiating. We talked, we, but we said, you know what, we, let's work together um, outside of a negotiation and let's, yeah. let's see if we can train our teachers because that really is the, the, that's the linchpin to keep our teachers and to create better um, well, I, would, I don't even want to say better, different environments uh, that we're teaching in because I believe that our teachers are working darn hard uh, and they're they good are. at what they do. What we've mistakenly told them is that this is how it should look uh, in a classroom, and I think we've got it wrong. I think we have to stop the wheel. We have to check in with each of the children and create a strong relationship between teacher and student. I'm going to say that again, and I and let that sink in. What is a strong relationship? That is the teacher is vulnerable and says, this is who I am. And we don't do that as teachers because we've been told don't do that. But we have to. We have to get to that space where we're vulnerable and say, this is who I am. And then we have to ask our students and be open to listening and, and learning about who our children are. And that's that strong teacher-student relationship, but it doesn't end there. What I think we've also missed is how do you create strong student-to-student relationships? And that's where that strong sense of belonging and social-emotional wellness, that's where mm-hmm. you lay that context for learning. Because I feel like I belong here. I feel good about me. I feel supported. Yeah. And I've got the skills to verbalize how I'm feeling. And that's what happens in a, in a 20-minute session in the morning. And it's interesting because um, being a, um, in this business for 30 years, I've always felt like, okay, we can't do that because we've got to get to the curriculum. And my friends, we will never, yeah. ever get to the curriculum if we don't get to the humanity of who we are first. Here, here. There. Long, long answer to your, your Great long question. Answer. <laughs> Great answer. Corey won't be able to top that when I ask him his question. No way. So just, just, no I'm way. writing notes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's great. Oh, I think you got send that, you guys yes. the link to this so we can everybody can hear Mary say all that again. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, as wait, I'm going to continue this though. Okay. As you look at this, okay. What Mary? What was the teacher's reaction? Because we are and not not the, the, the colloquial way. We're always asking them to do more. Okay. And now we're asking mm-hmm. to do ESL, ESL, SEL, which has to be, mm-hmm. in my opinion, incorporated. Into school because, quite frankly, if, if Mary just said, if, if people aren't happy and engaged, they're not going to learn. What's the difference? What the curriculum is? Okay, they're not yep. going to learn if they're if they're not engaged. All right, and happy and content and resilient and all those phrases that we use. Yeah. Okay, and it's important. So, how do the teachers? And, and I know that reacted well. Okay, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but how do the teachers react? Maybe at first. Okay, and how do you go about training them? And how do you assess all this? 
How did, you know, yeah. talking about all this, the morning meeting, but how did they still to teach this stuff or incorporate it? Maybe is a better way to put it. How did you get yeah. to that? And, and by the way, I'm going to say it's harder for a secondary school teacher, a subject teacher, so to speak, than an elementary school teacher. I was a history uh-huh. teacher, so, you know, it's yeah. hard to do this. So just talk about that. And, Corey, we will get to you, I promise. I just want to yeah. hear your thoughts. Yeah. I'm so taking notes. Great. Yeah. Let me <laughs> – First of all, um, let me start with uh, how do you, you measure that? Uh, so how yeah. do you know that it's working? So you've got that, that qualitative data, which is um, I'm seeing it. It actually is happening. It isn't something that sometimes it's ha- a principal might say, hey, hey, first grade teachers, how about if you did a morning meeting? It's, it is systematized. So that's a, that's a qual- qualitative piece. But we're also using um, social-emotional screeners, things that I didn't even know about uh, you know, 10 years ago. I didn't know what that was. So we have these robust screeners that we are asking um, our children, how are you feeling? How is it going? How are you doing? We are reaching out to our communities and our families because how families are doing is how children are doing. So we, so those are the the, um, the pieces that we're grabbing onto to do some of that measurement. Um, as it relates to the teachers, clearly, you're like, are you kidding me? Ah, right? But, but. <laughs> During, Sounds like me during, when I was uh, teaching. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But during yeah. COVID, here's, here's, here's the special secret. That's what teachers were doing during COVID when we were remote, is that you were working almost, in a sense, individually with a kid, getting to know the kid, and you got to – it's like you, you hung out hmm. in their living room, which is something we've never done. Hmm. So how, what happens when you hang out in a kid's living room? You get to know the family. You get to know the kid. You get to see what the kid's interested in. You get to see who they really are. Instead of this thin slice of, of, of humanity, we, get to, we got to see the full package. Mm. So when we started to talk about how important this is, teachers had already seen how important it was. And they hadn't yet articulated what is that. And we just tried to frame and articulate that's what that was. And we got to keep that going. Anyway, so that's just a little bit uh, – that's a short answer. <laughs> that's a shorter one. It's a good answer. Exactly. Great. It's a great answer, and, and, and it's true. And, you know, I, I, I always hate to say it because the pandemic cost a lot of lives and a lot of disruption. Okay, it was not a good thing, but good things have to come out of it. Okay, we can't – the horribly negative thing, but good things came out of it. And if we can reassess what we're doing, okay, and like you said, get into the kids' living rooms, which, you know, we never have that opportunity. Okay, mm-hmm. it makes all the difference in the world. That was really great. Corey, okay, what are you guys working on over there in, uh, in Harvard, Illinois? Well – um, one of the things that um, occurs to me is, is Mary talked and kind of just talked about that nature of deepening the relationship between home and school, and that's really mm-hmm. the genesis of where our Lighthouse uh, recognition came from is our dual language program, which is a instructional program which by design gives our students, and this is available pre-K all the way through our, through our graduates, where they can wow. receive their content instruction both in uh, English and Spanish. It's designed as a 50 But it really is that connection piece um, that, that, that Mary mentions about how do we really see the humanity of our kids and identify this gift that many of our students are coming up with, this ability to speak fluent and beautiful Spanish, mm-hmm. identify yeah. that not as a deficit because that's one of the things that um, a lot of programs, ESL, ELL programs are are kind of built on is like, oh, we got to get you caught up, but not recognizing many students are coming to us with this gift, and it's kind of discarded. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're not going to help you with your Ukrainian or your Polish or whatever language you might also be coming to us with, 
but this is really identified to cultivate both language simultaneously. And we've, uh, we have uh, some goals in our district. We call them our big, uh, hairy, audacious goals, our BHAGs from Jim Collins' work. And we have six of them, but one of our goals is that 50% of our graduates would earn the seal of biliteracy, which is a state designation for accomplishments on you know, AP testing and SAT and big standardized tests in both languages. And that could be ASL, because we also have some students um, testing in ASL. We have te student testing in Arabic. But primarily for us, it's Spanish and English. And so it's a really kind of put the plant the stake in the ground saying this is one of our core values that we're not going to move off on, that we think this provides a, a really an anchor point for our community to understand that we value both um, the accomplishment in both English and Spanish. Uh, it's something that we think has transfer, great transferability to your career. If we want to talk mm -hmm. about uh, our young grow your own teacher program, we are graduating students that go through our dual language program that we're now able to um, encourage to, to be teachers and because we're dying oh, to find good. as many um, you know, Spanish-speaking teachers as we can find. But oh. now, because of this program, we're kind of showing them that there's a nice pathway to uh, rejoin us back here in the district as a teacher. So it's really a community project as much as it is individual day-to-day -day instruction. And it's it really is a challenge because my own uh, three kids went through the dual language program and it's it's sometimes especially for the English um, speaking families a little bit of a challenge when um, you know your kid comes home and says you know mom for half the day I didn't know what in the world they're talking about uh, and that that becomes a real coaching piece and that again that connection to family saying hang with it you're going to and it starts that way but by the time you finish you're you're fluent, and that's just a part of the you know uh, process of learning the language and training your ear, and then you can learn how to write, and it all kind of comes to the you know the first the listening, and then the speaking, and then the reading, and then the writing. It all is a process, but it's really a 50-50 model that half your day is instruction in content area in Spanish, and half the uh, day is content area uh, in English. And so you're going to have that um, wow. that split by design, um, by content, and it's really designed so that all curricular pieces are covered and the content is covered, but it is done uh, in, uh, you know, intermittently between whichever language you happen to be in uh, with that situation. So it's really designed intentionally so that as they go through, they, for example, would always have um, both English and Spanish language arts but they will also have uh, often science uh, done in Spanish, and that might be as they go through. So we have wow. about 7% of our primary grades uh, are students in the dual language program. So that kind of tells you the popularity of it. So, for example, in our uh, K-3 building, we have 10 sections of most of our grades there. Uh, seven of them typically are sometimes six and sometimes eight are dual language uh, sections. So we really do have a community buy into this, and it's something that people really see the vitality and usefulness. Oh, it's incredible because they have built, built so much cultural respect in the community yep. between the groups. It's absolutely, it's, it's just such a great thing. And I have to go back to something else here just to bring the two things together. You know, you said you, you love to find students who speak Spanish and will come back and teach, okay, yeah. in, in Harvard, okay? And Mary was saying how, you know, teacher retention, you know, she works so hard on that. And all the, a lot of the school districts, not all, but most have like a kind of a grow your own program you know, we want the kids to come back somehow, yeah. okay, and yeah. teach in our district. And 
I, I always, people are always saying, you know, well, we can't find enough uh, diverse teachers, okay, African-American, uh, mm-hmm. Latino, whatever. Why not? And the, the, it goes back to the social-emotional learning. If kids are happy in school, right. more of them are more than likely to wish to, to spend their adult years in school. If you're unhappy in school, okay, and you don't, you're not learning anything and the teachers aren't right and you're not, you're, you're not emotionally good at it, okay, in school, you're not going to come back as a teacher. Why would you go yeah. back and spend time in a, in a place that you had such a lousy time for 12 years? Okay, nobody Absolutely. would. Okay, yep. so the SEL, okay, and the cultural, the, the, the dual language work together to build a future for the school district in terms of bringing kids yeah. back. It's all part and parcel of the same same thing. But I hear Mary saying yeah. yes, and, you know, and, and Corey, it's, you know, it's terrific, but I got to ask, how are you finding that many teachers who can speak Spanish? Well, it really is an ongoing challenge um, that we we are never really a day off in terms of recruiting and examining yeah. how we can improve and attract people. And, um, you know, the markets are changing a little bit, too. I don't know, um, Mary, where uh, what you're seeing, though, is, you know, it used to be you'd go to a job fair and kids would line up. Uh, I call them kids. They're college graduates. Right. But they would line <laughs> I, I call them kids, too. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Well, they line up and just, you know, you, you I got, got news for, I call 50-year-olds kids. So that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. At, a, at a minimum, you know, you got 50 kids lined up to talk to you and excited and you have 100 applicants for every position. Well, it's just certainly not that way anymore. And so one of the things that we have to do uh, that's even more challenges is that to sustain the program, you really have to be recruiting all the time. So. We um, we have teachers that uh, are a part of a, a program through the state of Illinois that from Spain. I think we have probably about ten oh. teachers that are from Spain. They that are, speak uh, Spanish. Uh, yeah. A pro- they yeah they know a little bit about they, Spanish. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we recruit in Puerto Rico. Uh, we work with Greenheart, who does um, the visa, and so we get teachers. We have oh. teachers from Chile and Bolivia. So we we don't close our minds to any possible idea that might help us uh, try to find people in any way. But the the grow your own has to be a component of that, and we're starting to see the benefit uh, of that kind of yeah. um, growth in our own program to you know show them that there's a real pathway. But the other thing that's really unique is like there are a lot of places now where if you are bilingual, you there's a sign-on bonus, or I mean there's a lot mm-hmm. of incentives. And so that's that's what, you know we we've kind of thought of that as a corporate type of thing where you know you get a signing bonus you know if you're signing on to the accounting firm or insurance uh, but now that's that's something that we haven't really ventured into but we're looking around at our neighbors who are doing that saying okay if we want to stay competitive and we want to attract the very best and brightest yeah. that we think our deserve we're going to have to play ball a little bit more in that and so that's something that I've noticed as a change just recently we went to a job fair in Texas and. Um, I mean, our Cubs hats that we wore were kind of cute, but it didn't uh, pay the bills necessarily to get people to, you know, overcome the relocation bonuses and things that some of the Texas districts have had. So we're going to have to really uh, look into that a little deeper. Right. I'll give you the greatest trivia question. I was just on the phone with friends from uh, Chicago, Corey. You'll never get this one, Mary. We we Wrigley Field, home of the Cubbies? Yeah, yeah. Love it. It wasn't always Wrigley Field. What was it before that? There you go. I, I am not going to get this one. Okay. Yeah, I you're not going to get it. No. I, 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 I don't know. I, 
It was, I don't it know. Was, that. It, 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 it's a, this is a great trivia. It was originally called Wiegman, Wiegman Field. Wiegman? Wiegman Field, and it was some crazy, like like the Chicago Bulls, or not the Bulls, they're basketball, obviously, some some crazy name of the team, like the Chicago oh. Federals or something. Okay, it wow. was for baseball. Then it became Cubby's Park, Cubs Park, and then around yep. 1935, it became Wrigley Field. I always thought it was always Wrigley Field. Yeah, there you oh, go, I Mary. I'm sorry to get off the track there. He brought up the Cubs. I'm sorry. No, I I just learned an important fact that I might be able to use at trivia night and win <laughs> that's down right. the road. That's so right. There you go. That's right. There you go. That's right. Okay. Well, you want trivia? All right. Here's one. I'll give this one. Then we'll get back to the subject. All right. Name Mary. Name <laughs> name any two colleges that have the same name as a color. Go ahead, Mary. Oh well, gee, many Christmas. I don't know. I gotta think. Color, huh? Um, color. Don't it's a college is a color. Color. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to, um, I'm going to pass. It's only, Mary, it's only 630 in the morning. It's 630 <laughs> in the morning. I know. I Corey? Know. Is, is Corey? Cardinal a color? Is Cardinal no, Not the team. Uh, not the team. The college. Oh, the college itself. Yeah. Oh. Mm. One's pretty easy. I'll give you a hint. Brown. Oh, okay, yeah. Brown University. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was okay. Well, the easy. other one for your friends in Alabama is Auburn. And there's two more, but we won't uh, get into that now. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I, there I, I'm, all I can tell you right now is that as soon as I get done with my cup of coffee after this, I'm going out and finding a trivia <laughs> morning. It's not going to be a trivia now. I'm going right now because I'm ready. Trivia at IHOP, everybody. Trivia at IHOP. Colleges with colors? I got you. Corey, I got to ask you something. You, you said earlier about language, and, and you, I, I think you said ASL, like American Sign Language. Or did yeah, you say ESL? Right. No, so ASL. ASL yeah. program. Yeah, we because that, that's part of our goal to graduate fifty percent of our students with the uh, um, the seal of biliteracy, and it can come in any way. So yep. we developing now where we'll have graduates that can test and show that a uh, high level of proficiency in ASL as well as English to, cool. to earn this. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 that's terrific. And and one other question I have about that, you met and you brought this up. You said like Ukrainian, you used the word Ukrainian kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every school district has kids from all over the world. Okay. You know, right. everybody says they have twenty, thirty languages, whatever. Yeah. With yeah. the Spanish, okay, you've got dual language Spanish, English, okay? Yep. I have two questions. A, the kids whose first language may not be either one, how's that work? Okay, and they mm-hmm. do need to learn other languages. All right? I, I can't remember the other question. You answer that one. I'll think of the other one in a second. Well, the, another one in the, the, yeah. the, de- the default process, actually, I mean, in, it's what's interesting about research is um, the best thing for an ESL student actually is a, we call it the Cadillac standard, this kind of two-way immersion, which is what our students getting. So we actually, with uh, associate support, um, you know, we're talking, uh, recently we've had students in Ukrainian, we have some students that speak Arabic, we have uh, yeah. Hairdo, we have a lot of different languages. They go into our dual language program. That is our ESL. So when we have kids that, for example, come and they have ah, only Spanish, they all, they all go 
into our dual language program because that is known as the that has the best results for um, gaining that. But they do need support, and so often what we do is we have an associate uh, that is probably tied to that kid a little bit more closely to kind of help them. And um, because there's such a wide variety, sometimes it is really reliant on you know Google Translate and things like that. But That's good. it's That's good. remarkable how quickly they learn the language. But they have to have that tied in support. But what is interesting about brain development, language development, is that it, it, it when those things are being taught, the Spanish and English, they don't really see the difference. And so they can simultaneously oh, be wow. learning, learning both. Wow. While we, but the trick for us actually becomes because we want to honor their first language, we want to find ways that in as we explore and kind of give them some differentiation is we want to find ways for them to maintain and keep their literacy in their first language, which they come to us because that's the last thing we want to do is have them uh, dishonor their first language. But it's yeah, a challenge if you don't have an instructor in Arabic or Polish or um, French or whatever the language might be. And by the way, myopic me, I... I I have me a culpa here. You know, I, I just went at that like a, a, a kid who is Ukrainian and speaks Ukrainian. Okay. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, it's going to be much more, it, it must be much easier for them to speak English, than, to learn English than it is Spanish. And that is the most ridiculous mindset. Okay. It's no okay. more, it's just as easy for them to learn Spanish as it is English. My well, in fact, I would, I would argue it's, it's wow. easy to learn Spanish because I'm a former Spanish teacher. And because of I'm a the former German uh, teacher, wow, oh, I didn't know that. That's the <laughs> Spanish. Just because of the vowels and the consistent pronunciation of the vowels, it's much easier than uh, actually English uh, to learn. Because English, God, what a what a horrible language. A lot of exceptions. A lot of yeah, yeah. A lot of exceptions. The, the, the best example is why is good and food said differently when they're well, the exact same right. word. And we can go <laughs> well, into D. My wife, my wife was an ESL teacher. Okay, it's so going to be comida. Every, yeah, it's going to be comida in Espanol yeah. every single time without a hesitation. <laughs> right. Former German teacher, former Spanish teacher. Yes. All right. I didn't know that, Mary. That's great. Yeah, well, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, Mary, you were going to say, well, Mary? I was just going to say that um, ASL is uh, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we have a, a ro- in fact, I, I have more students taking ASL than I have Spanish wow. uh, at the high school. Uh, wow. We've got, a, a, you know, two phenomenal teachers. That probably has a lot to do with it. But just thinking about how we're honoring um, the uh, differently, differently gifted uh, children and families when we are teaching ASL in the same way that we're honoring families uh, whose first language is not English. And I also think that from a language acquisition perspective, having been a, a, a teacher of that, of, of uh, language acquisition, yeah. you would have students come who already, uh, they were learning English as their third language. And they actually yeah. were, they and they were trying to learn German and it was actually they were going faster because they're they're already making those connections with cognates and other yeah, other ways yeah. they can see the commonalities and so what a, what a way to honor um, our our families and our students with their gifts. It really yeah. is. You know you know the you know the old the old, the old joke. You know you call somebody <clears throat> who knows one language <clears throat> who knows somebody who knows three languages they're trilingual, and if you know two languages you're bilingual, and if you know one language you're American. <laughs> Yes, yeah. there's yeah. you go to there's Europe, they all that. speak English or whatever you they need. Do. You know, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And uh yeah. we we've been doing it wrong for too long. We gotta do it right. Yeah. You guys are doing that. 
both with the social-emotional, uh, with Mary's Lighthouse District in Washougal, Washington, right by Portland, great place, okay, mm-hmm. and Corey in Harvard, Illinois, at the end of the Northwestern, okay, That's you get right. on it, and, oh, man, bring back memories, my friends, both of you are yeah. wonderful, congratulations to both of you for being Lighthouse Districts, after talking to you, I can understand why, okay, oh, thank kids you. are lucky, the teachers are lucky, and you're lucky, too. Okay, to yeah. have them, you know. Well, I, 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 I probably we both feel lucky to to be in public education at this time because it is unique. Uh, I don't know about you, Corey, but this is my 30th year in public education, and it's never been like this before. And it's never had as many challenges, but it's not had as much opportunity ever before. This this place that we're at, which is, you know what, let's just talk about it, that some of the things we've been doing have not been working for all the children. Yeah. And the way public education works, it's always worked well for, for uh, many children, but not for all. So yep. for the first time ever, can we can we reframe our systems significantly enough where we look at our data points and no longer do we say, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that kid has an IEP. You know, that's why. But rather we look at um, our data and it says children are children and they're all, they're all special, unique, and gifted, and they're all exceeding their potential. That's what I think we're all after, and that's why I believe AASA, for me personally, inspires me because that's what they're about. Oh. Stop doing what we've always done and think about it differently. Wow. Well said, beautifully said, I might add. Okay, and you're right. You know, it's, it's always worked well for some, and we've got to make it well work well for everyone. That's what equity is. That's what it's all yeah. about. Leading yeah. the way, like I said, beacons, beacons in the night, a lighthouse district in Harvard, Illinois. Okay, Washougal, Washington, these two great superintendents. We'll be in touch. Okay, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Mary. You guys are wonderful. And again, thank you Mary, so thanks for getting up so early. You did incredible. Well, you know what? Gosh, now that I'm up, I'm going to get, like, so much done. So you've actually wow. helped me for my day. So anyway, Corey, it was nice to uh, chat with you, yeah. and I'll see you at, yeah. uh, at some future event. I'm sure so. Good to talk to you. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. You guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Are they super or what? And a big thank you to Jimmy Minicello over at Minicello, Minicello over at uh, AASA for putting the show together this morning. All right. Always great stuff working with them. All right. Um Wow, two great superintendents, so thoughtful and working so hard to do the right thing. They, uh, you heard them. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, which is where everything we do just happens to be. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>